It's episode 27 of the MetroFed TV Weekly Rundown, coming to you live with a point. Yeah, I mean, that feels nice to say, uh, Lenza Fernando coming to you live. Um, after an eventful game in uh, Saturday against Sporting Kansas City, what do you make of uh, that whole mess? Like, uh, I don't know, like, kind of a mixed bag, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, one is always better than zero. Um, three is better than one, but I'll take one. Uh, it, it felt good knowing that we really could have could have walked out there with um, with three points against a, a very good team. Um, you know, Kansas City isn't their 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 position. I don't excuse me. I don't think is um is really representative of of you know where they sh- probably sh- will be at the end of the season. What kind of team they really are. So yeah, I mean, we went to a, a team that that is just a good team and that you know historically play well at home and and we gave we put it to them. I, I thought there were there were there were a lot of good things uh, to take away from that game and kind of tied in with um, with some positive things we saw last week despite the loss. You know, I, I think maybe we can potentially start seeing some things kind of turn around a little bit. Yeah, you know, I mean. I was pretty, I think as anyone who listened to the last week's episode could tell, like I was pretty down in our chances of getting anything out of, out of this game going into uh, the tie at Children's Mercy Park because the tail of the tape didn't really spell anything particularly auspicious, right? Going up against an opponent that was undefeated at home at a place where we haven't generally done well at. And... You know, considering the form that we were going in, like, to the game with, you know, there wasn't really, like, much grounds to believe that we could pull off a draw, let alone a win. But, you know, like, for, as it turned out, like, we came, as you mentioned, we came particularly close to uh, coming away with with a pretty solid away win. If it weren't for, you know, I think some dumb defending off um, a throw-in for that first goal and, you know, just some set-piece fuckery for the second. So, I mean, even though, like, losing the, the lead late on is going to be, like, a pretty awful, like, a feeling no matter which way you slice it. Like, you know, I, I, I certainly categorized it as a, you know, a step in the right direction. And um, on the topic of this, you know, I think um, what was a bit encouraging this game in particular was the fact that we actually managed to create some chances in open play, right? I think you're starting to see a lot of the, you're starting to see some of the changes our personnel made in midfield, like definitely paying dividends, like yet another fantastic, I wouldn't say fantastic. It was a pretty solid game. Once again, from Christian Caceres junior in midfield, you know, like providing the assist on Danny Roy's equalizer. And then, um, so in general, like, uh, it, it, it's starting to resemble us again, to a degree, right? Like, I think that's certainly the takeaway that I got from this game. And anytime that you can go into somewhere formidable like Children's Mercy Park and put yourselves in a position to win the game, like, that's just a job well done, I think, you know? So I think definitely um, baby steps in the right direction. I just hope. And I hope that it starts turning into wins. So I guess uh, we'll begin our discussion there. Um, second game in a row now that this midfield axis seems to be putting in dividends. And, you know, it definitely boils down to Caceres' ability to read the game and distribute, you know, as advertised. Like, definitely has to be um, one of the key 
uh, what is it? Key positives to take away from this early part of the season, right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, I look, I'll be honest. I don't think it's a coincidence that that we're su- that we're suddenly not only playing well, but we are starting to look more like us since in, in the last two games that that uh, that he's that he's started. You know, I, I know there's been so many talking points that's been floating around about how. You know, Chris is trying to turn this into into some possession based team, and he's abandoning the press and all this. And you know, yeah, there, there's there's some things. It's it's been visibly clear that that you know, in a lot of games, we just haven't looked like us. But I've been of of the the mindset that yes, maybe Chris was tinkering a little bit with them, trying to a little be you know maybe be a little better on the ball. But a lot of it came down to just how the team was playing in terms of the formation and, and guys in the field and, and what they were doing or were not doing and how that negatively, ne- negatively impacted. The biggest one being when you're not winning those second and third balls, I mean, that, not only does that make you more susceptible to getting countered, which happened quite a few times, um, but if you're not winning those second and third balls, you're essentially losing the 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 chance for those quick transitions. When Once you start – once you once you start losing balls in midfield and it just starts getting like ugly, but not like the good chaotic, you know, kind of ugly, it, you you kind of start to lose things, and then, you know, it just it just disjoints everything. Everything just kind of becomes a bit of a mess, and not having that guy to to kind of take care of those moments and and help win those second and third balls and, and kind of just be there to clean up in in different ways hurt. So now having him back, now having someone like that on the field. I think it's been very noticeable. Again, I don't think it's a coincidence that we get someone who's able to do those things. We get someone on an, on on the field who's able to win those second and third balls, who's able to cover ground, not even in terms of just like just pure athleticism. We've talked about this so many times about, you know, Casper doesn't have the pure athleticism of Adams, but just his positioning is so well. And I felt like in this game, it was another game where, you know, like he, I, like I would notice with him in uh, down in Rebel Two, where he would just show up in places, and you're like, "How did he end up over there?" Like he doesn't, he's not, he doesn't have the, the the physical capabilities to cover as much ground as he did, but his positioning was so well, and and just how much he helped clean up things in the midfield gave confidence to everyone else around him to to be a little bit more aggressive, and and we saw that we saw the team being able to 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 press harder. They were transitioning quicker. They were linking plays better. They were, they were throwing more guys forward. I mean, again, I don't think it's a coincidence that that role is so crucial to this team and how this team plays. If you don't have that, you're just simply not going to look like yourself because you're not being yourself. You're your key component to that is missing. Just like if you're missing, you know, a Kamar Lawrence, how that unbalances things. If, if, if you're missing, you know, that, that roaming 10 and a half, it unbalances things. If you don't have a good center back who, who, who can, you know, play so high up and, and, but still be able to, you know, to, to emergency defend that unbalances things. And, and, and that's one component. So yeah, I, I think, I think Hasseris is, is quickly, bec- uh, quickly cementing himself um, into the first team as being basically a must start. And I think these last two games have, have shown it. Uh, so I guess the, the, the one, I guess, uh, problem area figured out, maybe, potentially, um, from the first few weeks of the season. Um, I, I, I think it'd be good to say, though, that 
this team still very much remains a work in progress, despite mm. like the up the relative uptick in performances and results in recent weeks. And I think one of the bigger problem areas now, especially um, after the uh, shall we say um, contentious incident in injury time. Um, is definitely the fact that you know the the attack for the first few weeks of the season generally still hasn't been great and the numbers that um were returned from their output from the early part of the season definitely not great either right like i think um like uh i think we put up an expected goals for of 8.74 I think through the opening six weeks of the season compared to our expected goals against of 7.35 or something like that, I believe. So like uh, the tail of the, the tail of the numbers there definitely kind of reiterates like a hypothesis that we've been working with um, for the early part of the season, you know, like that um, the team as a whole just generally isn't creating enough from open play to make up for the fact that, um, to make up for the one or two really dumb mistakes that have led to chances on our end, right? So I think uh, you kind of saw a bit of that again this game um, on the defensive end anyway um, with, uh, you know, I think uh, the first goal um, off of that throw-in was the goal that I was more mad about than actually losing the lead late, late in the second half because that just kind of came down to some once again, like just absolutely poor lapses in concentration, right? Like I think coming off the throw in and people losing their mark and being thrown off by uh, Johnny Russell's movement in the penalty box, like that was a that that, that was kind of the thing that I was definitely a bit more incensed about seeing that this reared its head again. But I, I think I'm on the topic of the attack, like uh, you know, I mean why this game looks slightly better in my opinion was because we were actually creating chances in open play i mean we hadn't really seen that much i think for the past two or three weeks and um you know i think uh, especially when you look at how it went down for the first goal like that came down from christian katzer is playing a ball in from deep over the back line into the path of danny royer and you know, it's when you see stuff like that, you know, like, and that was like the most creative pass, like the most dangerous transitional pass I think I've seen so far this whole year. Yeah, no, and then there was also the fact that, like, I think, you know, that, that, um, you know, you saw Kaku starting to get more involved playing balls into the channels like he uh, did, like, for quite a fair bit last year, right? Like, you definitely had him hitting a mirror for that, uh, what is it, that through ball into right-hand channel late in the first half that resulted in that uh, goal being chalked off. Mm-hmm. I think that was midway through the first half. You know, it's, it's stuff like that that we hadn't seen much of this year suddenly kind of coming back and becoming, you know, uh, becoming a bit more apparent, I think, in the way that we attacked um, Sporting Kansas City this game. And on the topic of that, you know, I mean, like, even prior to his, uh, you know, him getting a taste of the red mist and losing his head completely, like, uh, in the last minute of energy time, like, he, it was probably the best game that we saw Kaku play all year. 
you know, and I think, um, you know, like a, it was a very stupid dismissal in the end uh, that kind of cost us that that's going to be costing us actually, I think uh, for the next week, if not slightly longer, but even in spite of that, like you definitely tell that this was probably the best league game he's played all year, you know, just in his yeah. ability to kind of link everything together. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think, again, I, I think this, uh, this, this, I think it's kind of a, a trickled effect of just the, of just, the midfield in general just being better and playing better and, and um, kind of just being cleaner in general. Uh, Chris, you know, he made a couple of tactical changes throughout the game that I thought he did, you know, was was pretty solid. Um, but he looked like he had more confidence than he's had in a while. He definitely had more space uh, than he's had in a while. He just he just looked comfortable. You know, this is this is probably the most confident I think I've seen him. Um, this whole this this whole this whole season, and and Gaku's a guy that seems to kind of ride on confidence. Um, you know, he had that first half of the season. I mean, he was on pace to 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 break Sasha's uh, uh, assist record, and I think a lot of that had to do with confidence. You know, he he came in and and he just had he just lit it up in that first half of the season. So he kind of saw that same twinkle of happy in his eyes um, for at least part of the game, um, and. You know, it's it's unfortunate that what happened happened at the end because, you know, it would have been a good a good a good chance to to kind of carry that into uh into the game this weekend. Which, I mean, you know, I guess I've seen Cincinnati is a little bit better than people thought, but I mean, there's still a team that I abs I fully expect to 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 beat, especially at home. Probably a good a good candidate for him to kind of ride that that confidence on. So it's it's a shame that um um. I'm oh, sorry, not not Cincinnati, the Red, uh, the Revs. Um, you know, it's 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 a decent opponent, I think, where where you can kind of just be up a little bit and um, and uh, you know, again, just kind of ride that confidence and move forward. But yeah, I was I was happy with how we played for 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 most of the game. Uh, I guess you know, I think um, I think what I was most um disappointed about, I think, um, other than the fact that he got dismissed late on for that. Um, I mean, I thought that was just a kind of, as just a strange incident, you know, I think I'm kicking the ball to the and uh, unintentionally or intentionally hitting the ball, but unintentionally hitting a fan. I think that was kind of uh, what I came away with that is, but I think, um, you know, I think I touched upon one of my bigger, I think, um, annoyances this game. Um, was the fact that, you know, I think if, uh, once again, we cost, uh, sorry, like we shot ourselves in the foot a little bit of some unforced errors on defense where, you know, I think you could see it once again where guys just didn't take up their marks. They kind of switched off on an innocuous throw-in and it resulted in us going down 1-0. You know, like that was a, that was probably the more preventable of the two goals that we ended up conceding. You know, like we lose a we lose a game like late in late in the game off of set some set piece fuckery, okay, whatever. You know, you prevent that first goal from happening, you come away with a two one win probably. Maybe maybe not, because you know, KC blew some pretty good chances as well, like Shallowy hitting the crossbar late in the game. Oh yeah. Well could have very well put us down three two. But the point is that like I think this is like this is a game once again where you know, I think uh, a lot of what we touched upon um, earlier in this podcast, you know, like these 
these utterly preventable mistakes like are coming back and continuously haunting us this year. You know, and I think our record would look a lot better if you took away a lot of those really dumb defensive errors that have kind of sank as sincerely going into the season. And the deal is, is that, you know, it's true. Like, we haven't, uh, uh, the underlying numbers for our defense haven't been bad this year, I think, simply put. It's just that when they do mess up, it results in our opposition capitalizing on those mistakes. You know, and that's the difference sometimes in professional soccer, right, across the board, is that you're playing against players who know how to take advantage of the situations. And it kind of comes down to the fact that your defense needs to get its shit sorted out if you want to come away winning games. You know, I think, um, again, you know, I think uh, when you look at the first goal, like you have to ask questions of Tim Parker. You have to ask questions of Connor. I mean, Connor Lade's Connor Lade at this point, right? Like, I think we've uh, oh, drilled this. Uh, goal. We, we've drilled this, um, whatchamacallit, uh, we've drilled this over and over again that one of the bigger, I think maybe, failings of the front office has been finding, you know, a fungible replacement or a fungible depth fullback for when Kamar Lawrence isn't ready to go, you know, because I think a lot has been riding on him keeping good health. And um, it's kind of cost us a number of points early on in the season. You don't really like that happening, really. So I guess to open this can of worms again, I guess maybe this is where you kind of have to start wondering if, uh, you know, maybe start throwing Amro Tarek out there, maybe start thinking of, or starting to think of potentially like looking to bring someone up from Red Bull 2, I think, by midseason, because I don't think Connor laid it second choice left back's going to cut it really um no we have any plans of uh, being serious contenders this year yeah i mean, I, I, I feel bad because we we've, we've been harping on this especially me for for months now you know since since uh the, the playoffs um i flat out i just don't think he's good enough anymore like i i really don't and as every game he plays i feel like it just becomes more more and more uh, of, of liability. I mean, look, Kansas is a good team, but you know that's kind of the problem. <laughs> you know, you, you might he might still you might still be able to get away with that against you know lower teams, but with with how poorly the defense has been playing this year, I don't even think we have that that cushion anymore. If if Parker and Long were were just you know were just beasted it, should, should even even Amir if they were just beasting it the way they were last year. And and they were kind of handling those um, those moments like okay maybe you can kind of cheat a little bit again against some of the lower teams but our whole back line has been pretty shitty this year every single one of them have had absolute fucking howlers some more than other ones but as a whole they've been absolutely fucking horrendous and I just don't think we have that leash to now just throw in yet another position that's just not not up to par it's it's simply not I mean. He got rocked in that first goal. I think it was the first goal. Um, yeah, it was the first goal. He just got walked right walked right by like that. I don't again. I don't think that happens with Kamar or or even a half competent uh, a left back. I just don't think it's enough anymore. That, that's if I, I don't know what's going on with Kamar. We probably had what he was sick, he had a flu or something. But yeah, man, if 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 this summer window 
Giannis isn't promoted or they don't bring in someone else that resembles a quality uh, left back, I'm going to be fucking just infuriated because I was, I've was i been railing about this shit since the summer of last year and it just hasn't been addressed. And I, and I just don't... I just don't understand how anybody can seriously see how this team is, is supposed to play, see him on that field and be like, okay, this is a, this is a decent depth option. I, I don't, I don't fucking get it. I really don't. And I don't want to ramble along about this yet again for like the 15 times this fucking year, but it's just, it's really, really, really getting old. It's, it's been old, not getting, it's been old at this point, you know? And, and again, with, with how the team as a whole has just not been playing as well, you're not doing yourself any favors by throwing another position on the bus. It's unacceptable. Uh, yeah, you know, I think for as much as uh, we criticized the defense for the first goal, I think, you know, like I did see some glimpses of uh, the shutdown defense that kind of got us, uh, you know, brought us a third shield last year in the second half. I mean, to be fair to them, they did kind of, once we had the lead, you know, like we were shutting things down and open yeah. play pretty well. Like you saw a lot of the really good recovery defense that uh, what is it Long and Parker were do were pretty good at doing most of the last year, and they're mostly keeping Casey off the board. You know, after Brian White came on and scored that absolutely wonderful hitter off of that uh, cross from Kaku. Um, so you know, I think um, it's one of those things that I think uh, what is it? It comes down to confidence once again, right? I think that's kind of been the big so-called. Um, uh, big issue that hasn't been kind of gone addressed is that I think, you know, across the team, um, they definitely play better when they are on the front foot and they don't really get into your heads about, oh, no, we're down a goal. Oh, here we go again, right? Where they kind of defeat themselves. You know, it kind of boils down to this whole thing about the team's biggest issues throughout the years being mentality-related issues, Right mental yeah. lapses the ability to kind of uh tell themselves okay never mind it's only one goal and we can come back from this right i think it I, I i don't really think it's a coincidence right that um we've generally looked worse when we've gone behind and we've generally played better when we've been defending a lead right so um i guess this is one of those things that happens with young teams sometimes is that they defeat themselves mentally you know and you kind of don't want to see that happening you kind of hope that uh with some growth and maturity that that kind of gets cut out and you know i think the fact that they managed to claw themselves out of a you know the one nil situation away from home i mean like it's a ba- it's baby steps sure and they did end up losing the late late lead sorry they ended up losing the lead late but you know i think what was good is that, like, at least in this game, they didn't quite defeat themselves again, right? After going down mm-hmm. a hole in the first, after going down to on a goal in the first half. I think at least that's what it kind of, what was kind of nice to see is that that second half comeback, you know, should hopefully give them some confidence going forward that they can get themselves out of really sticky situations. Because we saw it all the last year, right? Mm-hmm. We saw them salvage really bad situations. For all of um, from for, for most of 2018, you know. So, I mean, I, I would have hoped that they remembered that they were capable of doing things like this because of this game, you know. And I, you know, I hope that this is sort of like just a building block for them to build more confidence, and that the confidence that they've regained uh, starts translating into wins. 
Yeah, I mean, for me personally, my 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 second biggest take for that game. First one was was definitely how much uh, Acastros has changed his team in just two games. My second big one is their mentality. This is the first game where I saw them go down a goal, and like they just the way they carried themselves was totally different. They didn't put their heads down. They weren't sulking. They weren't crying. They didn't look deflated. They didn't, you know, they were getting a huffy. Like they just kept playing. I mean, if you if you if you if you removed the scoreboard and you didn't see that th- them give up that goal, you never would have thought that that they were behind compared to the you know to, to the games um, you know, previous to that where when they go down, you just see this look of like. They just looked deflated. They looked defeated already. It didn't matter when, how early or late that goal happened. There was just a sense of of almost dread uh, in, in their faces and their demeanor and, and how they played. I didn't get that this time at all. And they and they gave up the goal pretty early too. I think it was on like the twenty third, twenty fourth minute uh, when they gave up that first goal. And they kept on playing. They kept on playing aggressive. They didn't put again. They didn't put their heads down. And for me, that's a big meant for, for, for the mentality of this team that has suffered greatly this whole season, that I think is important. And I hope it wasn't just a quick little blip. I really do hope that that something happened last week or, or something's happened during training where that 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 kind of that heart and fight kind of sparked back uh back into their heads where where they know that they're good enough. Maybe part of that is just they saw how much better they've been playing and they, they, they could feel, um, they can kind of feel themselves, uh, creating no chances. And, and, and they knew that they could actually come back versus maybe the, the, some of the previous games earlier this year where, you know, they, they, they drop a goal and, and they kind of almost know that, that their chances are low because they aren't creating the chances and they know it's an uphill battle. So, you know, sometimes your mentality is also based off of how you're playing that game to begin with. So, you know, just kind of seeing the overall confidence being built within that team during the game from, the, from start to finish, I thought was a very, very, very positive, um, you know, very positive thing. So I'm, I'm definitely excited about that going forward. And, and hopefully we see that level of confidence uh, this weekend um, away. And, you know, one other thing I'll mention is last year, uh, I think it was – Shit, Ooh, I, forgot, I forgot how many goal, how many games it was, but it was like an overwhelming. I think it was eighteen. I think it was eighteen games or something like that. Um, that they won, they scored first, or some kind of. It's a stat along those lines. So I mean, this this team last year did an incredibly good job at scoring first, and and the way this team plays, regardless of of how the opponent wants to play, scoring first is massive for your style of play and for your confidence because now it forces the other teams to play. And one of the problems they've had this year is they're not doing that. And and whether team even even all these teams are playing who are trying to sit back a little bit or or to try to play direct, once they get that first goal, they have no reason to play anymore. They have none. This game was different, you know, because it's it's Kansas City. And I, we mentioned I, we had mentioned this last week that at least for me, my hope going into the game, um uh, against Kansas City was we knew that they're they're not cowards. They weren't going to at home try to bunker down or drastically change how they were going to play. We knew that they would play how they would play. They knew that they were going to play flat out. Like they were going to, you know, they were going to go to goal. They weren't trying to, you know, uh, uh, kind of change their identity just to defeat our press, which would fall into our hands. And in some ways it did. Um, 
So even though we didn't get the the the, the goal first, they they you again you saw that um you saw that fight you saw that 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 hunger in them. So maybe this is if they can carry this on in in going forward that confidence and that confidence can lead them to start scoring first. Maybe that's the simplest way to bypass or, or to deal with all these teams trying to trying to bunker, trying to sit back, trying to uh, uh, play direct, and trying to bypass the press. If you score on them first, they can't do it anymore. They have to score, especially if they're home. So, fingers crossed that they carry this confidence because I really do think that'll help out a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, and I, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. Like, that's the big deal for me. You know, like you can't you can't defeat yourselves. And that's always been the, uh, what is it, the thing that's kind of cost us over the years is kind of them defeating themselves. But I guess um, without further ado, I think uh, we'll, uh, we'll, I guess we'll wrap up discussion here because I don't think anything else really stuck out for me other than those things. Uh, so I'm going to give her the st- stock watch now, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to be giving the stock ups and stock downs. So a big stock up, obviously, once again, we'll go to Christian Caceres. Um, pretty big performance in midfield. I don't think that really can be denied. I really do think that this should be the, uh, this should be the, uh, you know, this should probably be the pairing going forward. Also going to give a big stock up to uh, Danny Royer, actually, who had a, probably the most Danny Royer game that's ever Danny Royer. Or anything. So, <laughs> as something you might expect from Royer at this point, like a goal, pretty well taken goal, and generally starting to look a bit, look pretty dangerous off the ball. I think. Um, Probably, I mean, just a pretty solid game all around from second option, but also a pretty nice uh, stock up for uh, season debutant Brian White getting a big goal off the bench after the diving header. You know, I think uh, it's now, what, I think two goals and two appearances for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I think uh, that's, I don't know, I think that's pretty cool. I think he definitely should uh, should probably get a look, maybe. I think she'd get more of an extended run with how, you know, I think just to see if uh, he can, as a uh, playmaking up top, and his ability to link up play will be able to get the best out of Bradley Wright Phillips in a two-striker formation, or maybe even Matthias Jorgensen in a two-striker formation. That remains to be seen. So I'd definitely like to see him get a bit more of a run. So um, stock downs. And uh, I wanted to give him a stock up because uh, for not, for the entirety of regulation, he was playing a fantastic game. But... Uh, Stock down, I think, obviously has to go to Kaku for uh, just kind of losing it the way that he did, I think, uh, late in the game. And it was, a, I mean, I thought that some of the uh, reactions were definitely going a bit over the top. Like, I definitely do draw the line at saying the guy should be deported. I draw the line at saying the guy should be killed or assassinated. Um, but what cannot be denied is that, um, like, that was just a absolutely stupid way to get yourself sent off and suspended for the next game you know and i think it's it's kind of at the point where you kind of have to wonder if uh, the guy just kind of has um some has some you know i think uh, emotional management problems because of how how much he kind of ended up uh, subtweeting the team in the off season and then throwing a temper tantrum after the santos laguna game like this is where you kind of have to wonder if the guy just kind of needs to start getting his head straight, you know, not letting, not reacting the way that he does certain things. So yeah, I'm sorry. Kaku kind of needs to have some growing up to do. So it gets a mate, gets a pretty big stock down for me just for that. Um, stock down. I mean, 
I guess... I guess the defense isn't going to stuck down this time around because I think, uh, what is it? For the most part, like, this is sort of like the same level that they were last year. Sorry, last last week. So I didn't really see any, like, constant depreciation, but rather the status quo is kind of the same. Another silly defensive lapse kind of, um, you know, costing us again. And that kind of does it for me. I don't really have much other than that. I don't think anyone else really stood out or really did anything particularly awful. So I think that's kind of what it, where it stands for me. How about you? Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to give a uh, big stock up to uh, Castris. I think he's proved yet again that he is uh, very, very, very important uh, to this team. Um, I thought, you know, like I said before, I, I, I think he may very well be um, kind of the solution, kind of that missing piece to, to, to this team playing the way they're supposed to be playing, playing the way we're used to them playing with the high energy and, and the high press and, you know, being aggressive, quick transitions and whatnot. Um, I thought it was interesting that he was so far advanced that he was in the beginning parts of the game. Uh, eventually he kind of, you know, dropped back a little bit, but, I, I love that he was kind of given the, the, the ability to roam around and, and, and kind of just be where he felt he kind of needed to be. Um, that's not that far off from, from how Tyler was used. Again, we've talked about this a million times about the differences, but yeah, I, I saw, I saw his, his position IQ and, and, and his soccer IQ kind of in, in, in good display yesterday where, um, again, he was kind of just in the right, the right spot at the right moment when we needed someone, um, doing a lot of good work. I, I thought he was, I thought he had a very, very solid game and he, he's only going to get better and he's only going to become more important. Um, stock up. Yeah. I, I got to give it to Roy. Roy looked confident, uh, in that game. It, it was the most confident I've seen him in, in, in quite some time. And Royer is the kind of guy, man, where if, if, if he's got the ball in front of goal, is a, and, and he takes a clean shot is a good chance. He's going to score. Um, he, he is, he's, there's, it's not, there's a reason why he's our second best goal scorer, why he's climbed so quickly up the ranks and, and, and this team's uh, goal scoring history. He's, he's a goal scorer. And, it, and he, and he kind of made a, another case yet again of why you kind of have to have him on the field sometimes, even if maybe, you know, he's not exactly the right fit. It, it's, when he does what he did, it's it, it. He makes the case for why it's hard to why it's hard to pull him, and why he kind of has to be on there. Um, I'll give a stock up to uh, to uh, Takaku for for kind of just playing well. Like I, I thought he he had a pretty decent game. I, I saw um, a bit of that first half again, and and. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned before he was he was get you know kind of cutting the lanes. I mean, he was he played well. This is this he was playing more like the Gaku that we kind of expect and that we saw in the first half of last season. Um, we saw a glimpse of it, I think, this year. But I, I thought up until the moment he decided to be an idiot, um, I thought he was uh, he was he was well. But I'm also going to give him a stock down, so I'm not sure if I can actually give him both a stock up and a stock down. But I guess I do feel like it's important. To, to, to mention that, you know, for me, it was, it was a very positive take to, to see how, how he played uh, um, in the game. Uh, but yeah, I don't think anyone else really, really stood out off the top of my head. Um, stock down, it's going to be Gaku. 
I mean, Jesus Christ. I don't know what the fuck he was thinking. I mean, he, just the way he acted when, when that ball was hit out of, out of play was like, just the way he like just jumped up and flailed his fucking arms like a child. Like, good Lord, man. What the fuck? Dude, he's got it. He's, he's, I don't know what his deal is. Um, you know, last year you definitely saw, even when Jesse was here, you definitely, and he was doing well, he, you could tell he had, um, I want to say a dark side, but you could definitely tell he had, he had some, um, some attitude, you know, it just, it just seems like that's all you see now. Um, I, I don't, I don't see the smiling Gaku as often as I did before. And, and he just looked like a fucking child in that moment. And then, yeah, I mean, he, he takes her, he sees a ball, he takes a run up and he fucking wails it. Now, look, if you're listening to this and you're one of those people who think that, that, you know, he, he was out there aiming for someone's head, like stop, seriously. Like what he did was incredibly fucking stupid, but he wasn't, he wasn't intentionally aiming for the crowd. He's, we've seen him wail the ball at the ad board countless times since he signed last year and this year, he does it all the time. It was only a matter of time before he missed the board and ended up in the fucking crowd. Yeah. Maybe someone should have been telling him before this to stop doing that, but it was bound to happen. And, and it's just, it's a shame that the one time it goes over the board, it, it's, you know, almost point blank range at, at someone's head. Um, but th- I don't think there was any malice in it. He wasn't trying to fucking hurt anybody. He wasn't aiming for the fans. It was incredibly stupid Yes, it could have been a lot worse. There could have been a child there or, or you know, someone could have really, really gotten hurt. I get it. But, you know, there's what if and then there's what really happened. Um, this bullshit of, of, oh, we should never play for us again. You know, his contract should be terminated. He should be deported and all this shit. Like, good Lord. Like, to, to, that, that, that's almost as childish and ridiculous as what he did, if I'm being honest. Like, that that's just absurd. He got his red card. He's going to get a one-game suspension. Do you want to suspend him for like two more games? I'd shrug my shoulders and say, okay, I totally get it. But five games, five plus games, 10 games, like I've seen someone tossed, that's just complete fucking absolute, just ridiculous nonsense. That's just emotional garbage at that point. There, there's no base of logic in that. I'm, I'm sorry. It was a mistake. It wasn't intentional as far as hitting someone in the crowd. Like give him, give him, a, give him a little deserved punishment, give him a fine and just and just move on. One thing I will say, though, is at least his frustration was in the right place. You know, there's a lot of questions of of whether or not he's actually all in on this team or not. And I mean, he was frustrated because he was wide open and he had a really, really good chance at, at, at creating something to potentially give us the win. So his frustration came from a good place. His frustration kind of gives me hope that, wow, okay, shit. He got really fucking like infuriated at this potential opportunity at a, at a missed opportunity to potentially, you know, have us go back home with, with, with three points. That's kind of a positive thing. Everything beyond that, of course, is absolutely stupid and horrible, but I mean, at least, at least there's still passion there for this team and, and, and he still has a fire in him to want to get results. So that that's all I'm going to say about this Gaku stuff. Yeah. Oh, and 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 stock down. I, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just going to give it to the back line. I, I I this is probably the best they've played, even though they've given up two goals. 
but like they they got it. They just have to do better in in in, in these moments. Uh, they're to me, it's 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 the goals they've given up so far have been almost all completely unacceptable and and and, and avoidable. Yeah, um, I guess with uh, f- without further ado, I guess it does bring us to the uh, away trip to New England on four twenty. It's legal in Massachusetts, you guys. So even if the uh, trip doesn't go so well, uh, you have a little nice come down on the way back, right? Or at least that's the hope anyway. Um, before we get into that, though, uh, some curious news breaking earlier today. Uh, Thierry Henry linked at the uh, head coaching job for at our, for our organization. And, uh, you know, I think um, the rumors sounded pretty outlandish to begin with, and it does kind of appear that they're exactly that, right? They're just rumors there's kind of a begins and ends there just a very noisy rumor that doesn't really seem to have a lot of uh what is it grounds to it right it's exactly that and um i guess we I'd, we'd want to touch upon this for a little bit because uh, it's definitely one of those um it's been a bit of a you know it's been a very popular topic of discussion online today and about the question about of whether or not you'd accept him as the head coach in place of Chris Armis. And, you know, I think uh, you can see one side of the argument for it, right? You know, I mean, like, this is Henri, like, the biggest, um, probably the highest profile name to ever play for this team, club legend in uh, the United Kingdom and in the United States for both the teams that he played for. I mean... And, uh, you know, I mean, uh, he still does have some of that positive PR going for him from his time as the assistant coach for Roberto Martinez's Belgium, uh, where he was uh, kind of quipped as being this really, like, cerebral guy, really academic, really good at, you know, coaching, attacking movement to his team and being really observant. But, you know, I think there are some obvious pitfalls here, you know, and I think uh, you can't, you, you kind of have to look no further than his kind of disastrous spell at Monaco for his first full-time manager job, you know, where I think it was uh, rumors of just flat-out verbal abuse, right? I think uh, in his training sessions where, um, where you know, I think uh, his training sessions would be him getting really frustrated at his players and then turning it into a giant game of keep away, right? <laughs> Challenge, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> challenging him to, like, uh, take the ball away from him, um, just screaming his heads off at people for not getting, like, what he wanted them to do immediately. And, you know, it's anecdotes like that. And, you know, I mean, it is completely anecdotal evidence at the end of the day. But at the same time, like, when you hear anecdotes like that, you know, like, it does kind of ring a pretty big red flag for me for any potential hiring of Henri. Because for me, the central tenet of management has always been this ability to communicate what you want from your players, like, effectively. You know, and we can talk about how Chris Armas has kind of faltered in this area potentially and if you know chris armis can't do it and you hear things like this from Henri, like that's exactly the same pitfall here in many ways it's kind of more toxic because you know because you're you're it also goes hand in hand with just kind of tearing into your players and bringing them down you know you're not building them up you're not Mm -hmm. you're not putting them on a platform where they can confidently go out and do and execute things you're tearing them down and making them question themselves, you know, and you're not really imparting any meaningful lessons that way. 
if you ask yeah, me. It, it, yeah, it, it, this might sound crazy, but like consistently telling your players that they fucking suck because they can't do this basic thing that you just told them three seconds ago is not exactly going to give them confidence that they're actually good and may actually, you know, kind of reinforce that maybe they actually do kind of suck. Yeah, and you know, like, it, it, like one of the things about like these big name players becoming managers for me is that like they never really seem to get that some players will be limited in what they're able of doing, and these things seem unnatural to them because you know they they're just born with so much natural talent that they're just capable of doing so of doing such a wider array of things that they don't realize comes as easily to other people as it does for them. Like, I I honestly can't tell you the last time that a big name, like, player, like, went on and became a successful manager. Because, like, they're just, the, the level of natural ability that they were born with, like, just kind of prevents them from empathizing and relating to the problems that other players face. You know, I think you look at some of the, some of the other players, like, we've seen, right? Like, I think, a lot of managers have to kind of empathize with their players' limitations and their frustrations and not being able to get something and then finding ways to help them manage that and putting them on a platform where they can confidently execute things within their limits of ability. You know, you can talk about talent development, about thinking of, of uh, possibilities of what they could become, but there's a certain point with some players where that's just not going to happen. You know, and I think an inability to kind of empathize with the limitations of your players, as well as like an inability to kind of uh, properly communicate what you want to see from the team. I mean, like those are two major red flags when it comes to appointing on as the manager for me is why, like, I think it would kind of be, I mean, I don't think it made much sense from an organizational standpoint to begin with, but, and I didn't really see it happening from the go. Uh, you know, like if it does end up happening, which I don't think it will, like it wouldn't really strike me as being a very sound decision from this organization. You can talk about, oh, it's a high-profile signing. It's going to put butts in seats. We don't win trophies for attendance or media buzz, okay? Like, <laughs> if the hiring potentially has an impact on impeding the on-field product, it's a bad signing. Yep. I don't care, like, how big his name is or, or like, uh, how much of a legend he is. Like, if, if, if just because you're a legend doesn't mean you can coach a team properly. Like, would you take Diego Maradona then? I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it I don't know. It, it's, people tend to just really, whether we're talking about managers or we're talking about players, people very, very, very often, unfortunately, especially in this fan base, seem to like kind of just focus more on like the name, on the optics, more than what's what's kind of underneath. Um, and really, this is a perfect example. Forget all the, the, the big, you know, the 34 year old big names that's, that's, you know, been fake rumored to come to this team over, you know, the last couple of years who people just fawn over like, yeah, sign him, even though it wouldn't make any sense at all. Um, just, just when it comes to, to, to honor like, it, yes, he's one of the greatest players of, of our generation. I, I, I get it. He was fucking horrendous at Monaco and yes, Monaco as, a, as an organization, were fucking terrible, but when you start hearing all these stories about what was really going on in his training sessions, I'm sorry, this, that, that goes beyond just Monaco was a dumpster fire. His managing and his management was just a dumpster fire too. You know, 
this whole hardo shit of like demeaning and degrading your fucking players is like, you know, the, the, the way a real man learns to fucking sport is the most nonsensical fucking stupid garbage I've ever fucking heard. Like if anyone who thinks that like a manager should basically just treat their players like shit, like there's some kind of badass and like yell at them and, you know, slide tackle them on purpose and teach them a lesson. You know, goddamn well, if your boss walked into your fucking job and treated you like shit, you'd walk right the fuck out. Right the fuck out. There is no employee. There is no employee in the world that fucking goes to the bathroom and rubs one off when their fucking boss treats him like shit. It doesn't fucking work like that. Like I'm so tired of hearing this hard old bullshit that people have about this fucking sport. Really, any sport. It's so stupid. That's not how you, especially in in, in a team like this, an organization where your 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 the core part of your existence or, or your 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 belief system in, in, as an organization is like developing and developing youth. You're not going to develop these, these these young players by treating them like shit, and 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 you know degrading them because they you know maybe they kind of didn't understand the concept during training. Like that's not how you develop players. I'm not saying you got to fucking you know treat them like they're like 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 fragile infants, but there's I think there's a a, a balance of of how to kind of treat your players when it when it comes to training. That's his the things I heard or the things that are out there about how. Henri treated treated his players really is as as com, com, as much of a complete contrast of how things are done here as you could possibly imagine. Like Jesse was known for kind of being uh, for being intense, but he always respected the players. He always treated the players the right way. You know, he, he never you know you never heard of stories of of him like demeaning players or 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 you know treating them poorly. He may not play them. He may you know he may. Uh, uh, um, you know, maybe doesn't give them opportunities that maybe they might deserve or some shit like that, but he always treated them with a level of respect. Chris Armis is as much of a player's manager as you can possibly get almost to a fault at this point. If you look at all the other rebel organizations, it's kind of the same thing. I've never heard of any other rebel coach treating their players the way that you heard Jaron retreating their players. So just from that standpoint, it's, it just doesn't make sense. Um, but then it's look if we're going to be a big club with 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 big aspirations and like if Chris Armour sucks this bad the solution is to bring in a guy who who again didn't didn't do anything in his only coaching job he did absolutely nothing he was horrible and before that he was an assistant for Belgium okay great but he was an assistant yeah Chris was an assistant but he was an assistant for Jesse Marsh he was an assistant for the best coach in this in this in this club's history for a couple of years, he knew the system. He understood the system. He understood what was being done here. So it was it was easy to kind of you know hand those keys over. It's completely different from asking Tehran Reed to come over here and 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 be our manager. From an organization standpoint, it doesn't make sense. Is is he going to like buy into EDS? Is he going to buy into to youth development? Those are two extremely important things because look, the the team isn't going to hire a manager that's just going to abandon this whole system and, and everything that they've created from, from 2015. I know. So I've, I've seen some people kind of talk, but, Oh, well, you know, maybe, maybe they would, maybe, you know, maybe this team really isn't that invested. Maybe it was Jesse this whole time. This team has invested a lot of money, a lot of energy, a lot of resources in creating what they have. This isn't just a first team playing this style. It isn't just a first team that has the mentality or, 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 
or the the philosophy to have. It's organization wide, all the way down to the RDS programs and their camps. They're 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 teaching the same philosophy, the same mindset, and 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 style of play, and all this stuff, all the way up to Red Bull Two. Red Bull Two plays the most EDS out of out of out of any of the teams on 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 this side. They're they're more EDS than the first team even was last year. Just watch how they play this year. Why are you still developing players for a certain style of play just to bring in someone who's not going to do that? Doesn't make sense. No, nothing, nothing about this makes sense. If someone wants to make an argument that well, maybe they shouldn't be playing this style, maybe they should change things. I vehemently disagree, but I'm willing to accept that as 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 an argument as opposed to oh, it's just the Ari Henry. Yeah, of course you have to sign him. It's it's fucking Henry. Okay, big fucking deal. Again, what has he done as a manager? to warrant shaking things up potentially the way it would here. I, I I don't see it. I mean, I know he's kind of a tactic nerd, so maybe I could I could kind of maybe see him like obsessing over the idea of taking on this project in his own way. I can actually kind of see that. If that's the case, awesome. I, I, I'm willing, fuck it. I'm willing to give it a shot. But if this is this crazy idea of just bring him in and, and just let him kind of figure things out, no. That's that's definitely worse than 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 Chris Armas. At least Armas understands what's kind of being done here, as far as the players in the league and 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 just as an organization, what they're trying to do. The whole butts and seats thing to me is kind of like it doesn't that doesn't make sense either. He wasn't bringing consistent sellouts when he was a player. What makes people think he's going to bring consistent sellouts as a manager? Like who buy who becomes a fan of a team because of a manager? Is that even a thing? I mean, you do see some of it. <laughs> But like, but like, where? Like, I, I don't, like, I, I don't see, I don't see the team selling, like, see, you know, getting new season ticket holders or, or getting a, a three, four thousand seat, a, a ticket bump per game because Terry Henry is a manager. No, yeah, that's you know, the thing. No, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, like, uh, you, you, it, it's true. Some managers have this, you know, this, you know, this massive pull, but it's mostly fans of the current team being excited about the guy coming in and taking charge, as opposed to creating new fans. Out of people who, uh, you know, uh, out of people who weren't already fans, right, coming in to see the manager manage. And the thing is, is that like you can look across the river for a great example of a manager <laughs> that didn't put butts in seats. I mean, it was Patrick fucking Vieira. Yeah. You didn't even need to cross the Hudson River to go see him. You could <laughs> just take the four train up to Yankee Stadium, and it's and your attendance declined year after year. Give him as the manager, like you saw it with your own two eyes. Manager isn't going to put butts in seats. I don't know. No. I don't really. I, I don't, it, I, yeah, yeah, it's just it's it's a weird it's a weird concept to me. Like I I don't I don't see how that makes sense. And okay, what happens if what happens if he ends up sucking? You think those same people are going to make the effort to come just to see Taron Reen like now suck as a coach? Of course not. So you've you've now lost the small percentage of current fans who are just randomly excited about Thierry Henry. You've not brought in new fans. So what what are you left with? You're just left with the still a shitty team. And what one thing I'll, I want to mention about the whole big name thing is he's a lot for he's not farther removed from like being like in the presence in the minds of most soccer fans as a being a big player, if you know what I mean. Like he's of course still a big name but to like younger generations, which is, let's be honest, that's the target of this team. 
I'm not going to get into this because I don't want to like be disrespectful, but I think it's pretty clear that there's a certain demographic that this organization focuses more. I'll use that word more than other demographics. And that demographic, I don't see, like, I'm sure they know obviously who Terry Henry is, but he's not in their minds the way some of the current big names are. So I'm not even sure that would like for for that group uh, of of their of, of demographics if that would even be a big deal at all because again like this is he, he came to he came here nine years ago nine years almost a decade ago for when he was actively a big name player that's that's not like for for a younger generation like that you're trying to pull into it's not really something that you're gonna kind of focus on you you might. You'll you'll get a current big name player who's playing now, but you're not going to bring that in for like it just and it just it's weird. It's just the idea of bringing in Darren Reed for like butts and seats. I I don't I don't see that happening. No part of that makes sense. Yeah, it would kind of run contrary to uh, a lot of um, what we've come to believe this organization is headed in. You know, I think it would definitely um, have me reconsider what exactly the end goal of this whole. Um, this whole uh, organizational game plan is, right? Because it seems like we'd be stepping back to the Eric Soler years mm-hmm. in the early Red Bull Arena uh, era. So, um, but now, I guess... Again, you- but again, though, if, 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 if he were... I don't think this is happening, for the record, at all. But if he does come as a manager, look, if, if it's, like, very transparent and open and, and saying, like, no, he's totally in all... He's totally all in on, on what we're trying to do here, and he definitely wants to, to take what we've done... And 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 you know elevate it and, and continue on with it. I'd be more open to it. Like okay, fine, let's go for it. Terry Henry, go his 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 tactical nerdy brain. You know, try to learn EDS and implement that. That actually sounds kind of cool. I'm I'd be down for that. But I don't think that's that that would happen. Uh, if he comes, if he does come here, I still don't think it's going to be as a manager. I could see him coming in here to fill in the head scout role that we don't have anymore. Or maybe the academy director role that we also don't have anymore. Not not a manager. Yeah, I guess uh, you know, like if it is as a manager, it does remind me of someone that we are going to be facing in the coming just this weekend, actually. And this is going to be my hot take. It would be a lot like Brad Friedel at the New <laughs> yeah. England Revolution, right? In a way, this whole harder shit, not being able to like really um, have a plan for what you want out of your players, other than yelling at them and being really toxic about it, like. Yeah, I mean, just look at Brad Friedel's New England Revolution, who we are going to play this weekend, ladies and gentlemen. Their record speaks for itself. Under Friedel, <laughs> they've missed the playoffs last year, and they've kind of bottomed out this year. I mean, you can talk about Robert Kraft, like, complete lack of investment in the team. But they've tried signing a whole bunch of guys, right, in recent years. Uh, to Friedel, Rolodex, bringing in, what, Michael Mancien? <laughs> and uh, who... Uh, who who was their like big name like signing this year? Like uh, I don't remember them really doing anything of note. Um, but the point is, is um, yeah, I mean, just looking at Brad Friedel's New England Revolution, like it, it's kind of amazing at how much this team has managed to take a step back with someone like him in charge, to the point where they're like just very consistent bottom feeders for this or for the Eastern Conference. And I mean, look, Gillette is has traditionally been a very tricky place for us to go and get a result. But the point is that this is still like probably one of, if not the worst team in MLS. You know, and 
if how listless they've been with how, you know, uninspired they've been through the opening few weeks of the season, like, you know, like this is a team that we have to beat up on, you know, if I'm being honest with you. And if like, like you can talk about form being a factor coming into our game with the Rebs on the weekend. But the deal is, is that, you know, if what we say is true and the hypothesis that we're working with is that the team slowly rounding into form, like, does ring true, then you kind of have to expect that we get the job done on the road in New England. You know, like, that's just a simple fact at the end of the day. This is not a good team, and your manager is a fucking head case. You have (laughs) to pick up three points at Gillette if you want to take yourself seriously this year. You know, and I think that's why it'd be another one of those kind of really good, like, litmus test games. And, you know, I really hate the fact that every single week so far this season, I've talked about our upcoming game as being some sort of litmus test as for the year. But that's just kind of how it's been, of how slow the start has been. You know, if you really want to talk about the Sporting Kansas City game as being like a, you know, a turning point or a point where you're starting to see more things coalesce, then you have to expect that that result will be built upon on the road in Massachusetts. Simple as that at the end of the day for me. So... Uh, so that's kind of the that's going to be the difference between a, between a false dawn and sort of like uh, expecting the team to start picking itself up again, you know. And I think I'm a bit fatalistic, admittedly, because I've finished watching Sunderland until I die recently, <laughs> and if you saw the number of false dawns in that documentary, <laughs> you're kind of like, oh shit, like how deep does it go, you know? But I mean, at least you can't get relegated in MLS, yeah. Which is, I guess, one really nice case for. Uh, Against Pro Rel. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, that's where it is for me. Um, I think if you do want to believe that this team's definitely, like, starting to turn a corner, then a win against New England would be a pretty good indicator that they can at least get business done. You know, and if we can't get it done against the Revs in this state, I'd be extremely worried. I'm not going to lie. Because it's almost at the end of April now. Um, I think we only have like about, what, two or three more fixtures? Uh, two. Yeah, two fixtures for the month of April, right? And, look, the point is, is that, like, like um, the point is, is that, like, as I said in the last episode, you know, I can't, one month of bad results, okay, sure, whatever. Two months of bad results is where I kind of start questioning a lot of things of what's going on and a lot of if we're going to even be good enough to uh, do what we need to, to uh, contend this year. And I don't want to see that happening because it means that, you know, I think uh, that's where you also have to start asking major questions of the, of the uh, sporting director and his ability to prepare the team and bringing and bring in the requisite talent to put the team in a position where they could contend this year. And I don't, believe that you could bring back all the guys that we did and not put out something more palatable to watch on the field. You know, I think that would just be a massive failure in the part of the, of management, a a massive failure in the part of uh, talent recruitment. And, uh, you know, I think the major building blocks for me, I think uh, is how they solve this problem of the attack going into this game. Right. Because we know BWP ain't BWP as much anymore. 
and Kaku's going to be out for this game. So now the question becomes, who's going to be generating our offense? Who's going to be creating our opportunities? And who's going to be putting them in the back of the net? And expected goal numbers, some of y'all are skeptical in the XG, whatever, that's fine. But the numbers indicate that the attack just simply hasn't been good enough this year by any stretch of the imagination in traditional or advanced analytic. Whatever it is, they indicate that this team hasn't been good enough in attack. Simply because we haven't been creating chances and really good opportunities. And we haven't been generating a high volume of shots in really good in really good areas. So yeah, that's the thing for me is uh, our main chance creator is going to be out for this game. So who steps up to pick up that playmaking mantle? And how do you solve this issue of the main goal scorer who's been generating so much offense by himself the last three or four years suddenly like hitting a massive slide in form and condition? Who picks up the slack for him? That's the major question that hasn't quite been addressed yet this year. You know, that we kind of have to ask ourselves going into this game at New England. Now with Kaku out. And now with BWP out. Uh, no, and now with BWP in decreased form that he is. Who is going to pick up the slack in the offense now? And that's going to make the difference for us on the day. Yeah, it kind of touched upon it before where, you know, it kind of sucks because there were definitely some some good things to to carry into the next game, one of which was was Gaku. I thought he played very well. He wasn't fantastic, but it was there were certain things about his movement and and, and his passing and yeah, you know, some of his playmaking that I feel like we've been missing. And and to see it was like okay, this is awesome. So to now not have that for this game, it definitely sucks. Um, and I really don't know what the lineup's going to look like at this point. I can't even speculate because we've seen so many different looks in the last couple of weeks because jet, you know, Chris is trying to figure things out and, and, and trying to find the right pieces for, you know, for, for the right teams and right, whatever it is that he's trying to do, um, you know, to, to, in a way that allows the press to, to, you know, flourish in his best possible way. So I don't even know what the roster is going to look like. What I will say though, is Bradley still is a big problem. Um, he had, I think, one, maybe two good looks in the last game, but he hasn't. I think he's got one goal in the last like fifteen games or eighteen games across all competitions or something like that, or maybe in just MLS. Like he's just been bad for a while now, like extending into last year. And lat the, the the thing about last year though, which is a little weird, and and I guess kind of makes me concerned is, you know, last year our we were drastically underperforming in our expected goals. So they were getting chances. He was getting chances. He just wasn't putting them through. And now he's not getting chances and he's still not putting them through as you know, you would expect him not to. Um, but the few chances he has gone this year, he just can't, he can't seem to get them in. So, you know what we were losing, we're losing kind of the heart of our creativity. And I don't know if we, I don't know if we're going to be able to, 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 um, to really replace that in, in, in a high enough, high enough level to kind of just give Bradley some great chances to just get, get that goal, just kind of get him get him going. Um, I don't know, man, I, I'm going to be honest. I, I really, 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 really think it's time for Chris to start considering just flat out benching him for the start of games. Um, he's not scoring. He, he's not scoring enough. 
You know, if it wasn't Bradley, if it was anyone else, he would have been benched a while ago. And and it's at the point now where, you know, we're sitting in ninth place. Granted, um, you know, it's still pretty early in the season, but it's not like we have a lot of games at hand to, to with, with, you know, with, with the, the teams ab- above us. Um, it's going to get to a certain point where, you know, you really, 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 really have to start asking some big questions. And, and we're, we're about to finish up in the second month of the season. And like you said, one month, okay, fine. But by the end of this month, it's going to be more than two months because our season started before March. This team, he just hasn't looked good. The team really hasn't looked good since even the end of February when, when, when you know, Champions League started. So, I, I don't, it's not that I don't feel, I feel okay about the game tomorrow, I guess, just because we have seen some good things in the last couple of games that I think you can now maybe collectively start piecing things together and say, okay, you know, certain things are starting to work and, and, and this is why, whatever. But if our best goal scorer is not scoring consistently and your second best goal scorer can be a bit streaky, how are you going to win games? And to me, that that's that's forget everything, forget the press, forget the midfield, forget all that stuff. We got to score goals, and we're not scoring goals. You know, when 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 your leash is that short, when when the margins are that thin because your back line are are giving up stupid fucking nonsense mental mistake goals all the time, or free more frequently than they should be, and you're not. Just you're just not scoring goals. I mean, it, it puts a lot of pressure, and and I don't know, I don't know what the key is here. I I, I really really think that that Chris is going to have to um, make some big decisions. And you know what? I should have given a stock up to, to to White. Now that I think about it, I thought I thought White was yet again came in, did his job, got a goal, and kind of changed the look of the team quite a bit. You have White, who has low key been pretty solid for us in his few uh, appearances. And you have you have Matthias, who you spent two and a half million dollars on. At some point, if Brad continues to not do his job, you have to give the chance for one of them or both of them to prove themselves. And at what point does he do that? Do 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 we do we have to get rocked by a fucking worthless New England Revolution for that to happen? The bottom dwellers that they are, you know, do do, do we have to you know skirt by with another one one draw or zero zero draw or some shit? You know, do we have to lose against Cincinnati next weekend at home? Like, what needs to happen for for something big to happen? Either, you know, we saw Brad get subbed out a lot earlier than I thought he would. Maybe this is kind of a sign of Chris um, moving towards giving more minutes to to to, to White or Matthias. But something needs to happen, and and we're we're we're, we're like you mentioned before, we're getting close to the end of April, and I, we don't have that much time to see to see something tangible to work on in terms of actually scoring goals. And if we don't soon, I'm going to have some big concerns about this season more than I already do. Yeah. I think I just kind of put a cap on this. Uh, you know, I think um, the lack of offensive production this year is a indicator of just how big of a presence BWP has been right. The past two or three years, as I mentioned, like, I mean, for all you talk about, like, Oh, he never, Oh, about all this stuff, but Oh, he doesn't show up at the playoffs when it matters most to whatever. We're not a playoff team without Bradley Wright Phillips' offensive contributions the past few years, you guys. 
just for the amount of offense he was capable of creating by himself. And I mean, like, this is sort of like uh, where you kind of realize just what a luxury it's been having someone like him on the field for the last three or four years, where now when you start to see his powers waning as much as they have to start the year, like, it's a kind of enough to, uh, you know, draw attention to just how much he's been carrying our offense the past few years. We don't become this juggernaut in the Eastern Conference without Bradley Wright Phillips. And currently, as it currently stands, with him in his diminished state, we aren't. It's as simple as that. And we're going to have to try and, and, you know, I think like this is why I talk about figuring out the attack being key for this game. Because, you know, I think, as well, uh, until the defense unfucks itself and they kind of get their heads straight, like, we can't rely on our defense to win his games. We have to outscore our opponents. As simple as that at the end of the day. So... And just one last thing, I mean, and that's the thing about the defense is, you know, they're not even like they're playing bad in the sense that they're 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 just giving up like one or two howlers a game, and it just so happens to to just kind of be bad luck where those are the ones going in. They're not giving up a lot of chances. Our defense is not giving up a lot of chances, but the few chances they are giving up, the opposing opposing teams are executing. And you know what? Whatever. If you're scoring goals, fine. You win three to one. You win two to one. You win four to one. You can give up those goals. But when you're just not producing, when you're not scoring, those few stupid mental mistakes just become magnified. It just becomes so much worse because that that's it. If you're not if you're not scoring goals, all it takes is one all it takes to concede one goal. That's it. One nothing. You lose. No three points for you. Yeah. I think that kind of does it for uh yeah, I don't really have anything else to add to uh, this preview against New England, but uh, major questions to be asked. So I guess we'll move on to questions now, right? So um, I'd like to thank everyone for uh, sending in a question as usual. Um, always great hearing from you guys. So I guess we'll begin with one from KC Jones. Uh, thanks for the question, KC. Not sure how to feel about SKC. Good to get a point. Could have had three. Also could have given up three. Glad to see BWP involved in attack. Same broken record on laid for Lawrence. Hyped to see the press have some bite to it again. What the fuck, Kaku? But even more so, what the fuck to everyone overreacting? <laughs> yeah. Like, um, I kind of have to uh, stress this earlier. Like, uh, uh, I, I, I certainly think that Kaku can't be vindicated for what he did in the moment. It was very stupid, but if it's going to come down to him being like, I don't know, deported, like some of you are demanding, like check yourselves, you guys. I mean, Jesus Christ. Like the, 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 there's another team in the East that hired a known wife beater and trots him out of defensive midfield every single single week. So here's the thing. I mean, I never want to use that as a point of comparison, but look, I mean, Kaku did something really dumb, but it was just a really dumb thing in a moment. And I think at least they kind of recognize that he knew it was wrong and that he really shouldn't have done something like that. So I just kind of have to sweep that under the rug and move on. Really. I think I really just hope that he takes this as a point. Just finally get his emotional shit under control and just start playing some yeah. good soccer again. Look, That's everyone's wake-up call for me. Yeah, look, everyone's done something really stupid in their life. I mean, I, I'm sure people, 
I'm sure people have done a lot worse, um, either by accident or, or on purpose and, you know, being pissed off and kicking a ball at somebody. I mean, people need to tone, tone it down a lot. Like it's, it's really fucking ridiculous. Um, next question coming from Patrick Dowan. So, uh, with Kaku out for the New England game, who slots in as the as the central attacking midfielder? Does Chris give the four two two four triple two and another shot with BWP? Should CCJ be at the base of the diamond instead of more advanced? <clears throat> well, I think um, looking at the depth chart, like uh, the first option is going to be probably Vincent Bezicourt. If you're just looking at like like for like replacements, but one thing I might want to see if you stick to the lone striker formation, maybe you trot Caceres, Riza, and put Sean Davis in as the ten, or you switch Riza and Sean Davis around. You know, Riza kind of playing as like an advanced destroyer, and CCJ and Sad like acting as the anchor. But you know, I think it is true that four triple two is another like possibility. I mean, hopefully Alex Wheel is back in time for that because I think it seems to be that they plan for triple two to get the best out of Alex Alex's um, you know, uh, capabilities, right? So maybe what you do see for triple two, if we do go with four triple two, is a top two with BWP in white or Jorgensen, one of those two, and then the second two in that will be Riza and Wheel, Sean Davis and CCJ is like uh, the base, so. You know, I think I'm with Fernando in this one. I don't really know what to expect uh, on the road in uh, New England at all. Like, I'm probably only going to have a sense of what goes on when I see the starting lineup. So, yeah, I mean, your guess is really as good as mine. But CCJ being at the base of the diamond instead of more advanced, I think, like, you've seen some really nice positional interplay between him and Sean Davis, where it really does kind of function more as, like, a double pivot nowadays, I feel. So, like, when CCJ advances, like, Sean stays back and covers. Sean goes up and covers. CCJ, Sean tries to go up. CCJ turns back and covers instead. So you're starting to see, like, I think instead of a more specialized, like, um, destroyer and uh, deep-lying playmaker thing like you saw with Tyler Adams and Sean Davis, you're starting to see it transition more into, like, a double pivot, which I think has been kind of one of the more interesting shifts with CCJ into a uh, CCJ's insertion into the lineup because it does kind of add a bit more dynamism, I think, into our central midfield pairing to a degree. And, uh, you know, I think anytime that you can have fluid interplay like that, it does kind of move a step closer towards um, realizing some form of EDS. I think uh, you saw this a bit at Leipzig while Nabi Kaita was still there. So I think, um, you know, I, I don't really think that we should, with that, what we've, I think what we've seen so far with them functioning as like a double pivot, you know, I think it's kind of worked so far. So I'm okay with the, what I've seen so far from the two of them. Uh, I don't necessarily see them as being sticking as a sort of base thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think I like I like him having a little bit of freedom to roam a little bit, but I did notice that when he was roaming around, Davis was kind of reacting to what he was doing. And like you said, if if, if Castro was, was pushing up, then you know Davis kind of sat back. If if Dave, if uh, Casters were kind of sitting back a little bit and kind of just cleaning things up, Davis was pushing a little up. So yeah, there there's some nice interplay. And and look, it's going to take some time, I think, to really see what kind of player he's going to be for us, 
right? We kind of knew what Adams would be because we saw him getting developed through academies. We saw him playing uh, uh, for Rebel 2 for a while. We kind of knew what to expect from him. I don't think we we knew exactly what to expect from him. We, we, see, we saw him play well in a couple different roles with Rebel 2, but it's different making that big jump to the first team, you know? It's. I think it's going to take some time. It's going to take some time to see what his what skill sets have um, have uh, moved up, you know, and kind of transition along, uh, uh, you know, to a higher level. Um, maybe some new different skill sets he's kind of developing as he faces just better competition, and just kind of the rest of the team that's around him, you know, the, the players are different. They're, they're going to play a little bit different. You're, he's surrounded by different guys. So it might take us a little bit of time and seeing him in different positions and different roles and being used in different ways before we can really start pinpointing. Okay. This is probably his best role. This is probably his best position. You know, when these guys are on the field, this is probably the best way he's, you, you know, he should be used. But the most important thing is him actually playing in order for us to be able to do that. So the fact that now he is he is getting these minutes, we can start seeing him do these things. You know, we could we could start seeing him play and 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 kind of just start you know analyzing him and, and seeing where he truly fits in the grand scheme of things. Um, the fact that Chris has been kind of changing things up a little bit in the last couple of games, both at the start of the game and kind of some mid game adjustments uh, in terms of the shape and the formation and roles and whatnot, I think it's good because we're we're going to see him in a lot of different ways. Um, I think in the next couple of games is he still tries to find that, that, you know, perfect recipe. So from what I've seen so far, you know, I'm happy. And, 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 um, I, I, I think what, how we saw him being used in the last game, I think is, is probably a better glimpse of what, maybe what we'll see in the future. Um, and yeah, for triple two, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, if it's going to be, maybe you give Brad and, and, and Matthias another shot you know, up top together. It didn't look that bad at first uh, last week. So maybe you kind of build upon that. Um, but without having Gaku there, I'm a little bit worried about not having that, that really dynamic guy in the middle to kind of make some of the stuff happen. So I don't know. It's, it's, I mentioned before, man, it's, it's going to be tough to see what happens tomorrow because not only has Chris been changing things up, but now there's a, you know, kind of a wrench in all this with Gaku not being there. So who knows what we're going to say. Next question coming from Svee Macklin. Uh, thoughts on Jesse Marsh taking over Salzburg next season? Um, I mean, it's a good opportunity for Jesse. I think it's certainly, uh, you know, I think um, the work he's done at New with the club in New York speaks for itself. And, uh, you know, he's had a year to learn under Ralph Ragnick, who is the guy who formulated everything. So, you know, it's going to be a pretty big test. He is... Uh, Filling some pretty big shoes because uh, Marco Rose is probably the best manager in the uh, organization right now, right? I think that'd probably be fair to say. Like, um, uh, It's definitely a more stable learning environment because uh, Salzburg are sort of like this big, um, sort of like a big fish, right, in the Austrian Bundesliga. Like, you know, they are a dynasty. They've more or less won the league every single year. They've uh, made it deep in. They've played Champions League soccer, and uh, you know they they've made deep Europa League runs before. So here's the thing: is that like, um, it's a great opportunity for Jesse. He uh, enters a team, I think that is uh, by far and away one of the most um, 
probably the model ripple franchise i think probably model ripple team i should say sorry um and you know i think uh i don't really have anything else to say other than that i mean like uh it's gonna be pretty big shoes to fill in uh for marco rose and uh the work that he's done in salzburg but it's a good test for jesse i hope he takes it certainly would be a good for him and i think he definitely deserves it based on his track record so yeah credit to you jesse yeah i think it's an awesome accomplishment um uh rose like you said big shoes to fill man rose was unbelievable at salzburg um I, i'd argue the best at 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 implementing eds and like it's it's in its best form out of all the managers I've seen of any of the rebel clubs. Um, just the way he was able to, to adjust against so many different styles. I mean, teams that try to bunker, he, he figured out teams that try to play direct. He figured out teams that try to play, you know, wide. He figured, I mean, it, it just absolutely brilliant, brilliant manager. So those are big shoes to fill. But I mean, if there's someone who can fill it, it's going to be, it's going to be Jesse. Um, I, we've, we've, we've both ragged on him very hard over the years for some of the dumb things, uh, we felt he did, but, um, I, I think it's very, very fair to say that he was by far the best manager in, in, in this, in this team's history. Um, I, I really do think in, in 10 years down the road, it's going to be known as just a Jesse Marsh era more than anything else. Because uh, his impact was was massive. Even though this whole project is is a Rebel Global project, the way Jesse kind of embraced it, took it on, and almost became obsessed about it, I think is kind of what made him who he was here and why he did so well. But also why I think he's going to do so well in, in, in Salzburg. I really, really think that him spending this season um, – uh, spending a good full season over at Leipzig to kind of understand the culture of Europe and and just kind of experience better quality players, better quality opposition, uh, a, a much more diverse uh, a set of tactics and, and style of play and environments and all that stuff. All that tied into just him him understanding EDS and understanding the, the philosophy and the system and the style and all that good stuff. Tied in with the fact that I mean Salzburg is just ridiculous in their player acquisitions and how how big their 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 roster pool is and how great they are at scouting and developing. I mean, that's the perfect club. I, I would almost argue that Salzburg is a better fit for him um, than even Leipzig would have been. So because it, it, it's kind of a weird mix in in some weird ways, I think between uh, Leipzig and and, and Rebel New York. So. Yeah, I'm really excited to see how he does over there. I really think he's going to do well, and 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 um, if he does, his future is very, 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 very bright in the you know bigger scale of uh, of soccer. Yeah, the question for me is how he manages those knockout round games, right? So uh, yeah, yep. I mean, uh, his track record in those uh, forests maybe not as great as we might have wanted it to be. So it's going to be interesting to see how he manages those uh, two leg uh, Europa League ties. I think probably going to be a massive uh, indicator for his growth as a manager to see how he does it with the uh, the roster that Salzburg have and knowing that uh his predecessor and Marco Rose managed to get the same a very similar team like making very deep continental runs and very in knockout tournaments so it's going to be it's going to be the interesting thing for me yeah i mean his his the the pool of players he has available 
will I think just make those those uh, tactical decisions and preparation so much easier. You know, he doesn't have to galaxy brain Chivas second leg at home if he's got the 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 reach of quality players that he has at Salzburg. You know what I mean? He doesn't. He's not struggling. Uh, uh, the way he has against, you know, fucking a team like the Philadelphia Union, if he just has a bigger, uh, a bigger pool and just a better quality, you know, it, it sometimes is the kind of thing where, you know, look, it's possible he was just maybe his, some of his crazy ideas would have worked if he just had better players. I don't know. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see how he adapts to, to uh, a much, much, much harder, co- uh, you know, knockout cup competitions that he'll be facing with yeah. admittedly a much better uh, you know, quality roster. Uh, last question of the week coming in the DMs. Uh, yeah, let's going down to DMs, ladies and gentlemen. This one coming from JoJo. Thanks, JoJo, for the question. Why does it seem as if Robles always chooses the worst time to give his dumbest take from <laughs> attendance to stadium atmosphere and now this latest take on people sitting in the front row? It's all very boneheaded. What are your thoughts on that? Sidebar, I personally feel like Kaku doesn't need any further suspension. A heavy fine will be good enough. Jermaine Jones did something similar in the Eastern Conference Finals of 2014 and was allowed to play in the next leg. The faster we move on from this, the better. And I do agree with that last sentiment. I think the faster we put this uh, incident in our rearview window, the better. I mean, I think for the purposes of just kind of just not dwelling on really stupid things. No. No. Everybody knows that it was we, a really- need, we, need, we need to talk about it every single week until he is fired from soccer. <laughs> I didn't realize that this was a Sporting Kansas City podcast. No, I'm sorry. Um, yes, you need to be arrested. Fuck you're a fucking God. MLS digital show. I knew it. Like, uh, we're, we're ending the podcast with this episode, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> nah, but... Um, what was it that Robles said exactly? Was it like a, he sh- he should kind of know the risks of sitting in the front row or something? Nah, he says something like, "Um, I-, I I guess, I guess that's what happens, or I guess it's a price you pay when you sit in the front row." Okay, I mean, like, okay, yeah, I mean that is pretty stupid from Luis, right? <laughs> I mean, I I, I I I can't really look at it two other ways. I guess I get what he's maybe trying to do. He's trying to shield his teammate. He's trying to, uh, you know, like diffuse some of the uh, criticism that's been kind of levied their way. But at the same time, I mean, like, yeah, we know the ball that there's a possibility you're going to be struck by the ball if you're like close, as close to the field as you are. But you don't expect like a fucking dude to just kind of blast it at you at full strength from like point blank range just because he got pissed off at the fact that he didn't get the ball late in the game, right? An errant shot, a clearance, okay, sure, whatever. But, like, being blasted in the way that uh, Kaku blasted that poor fella, I mean, like, that was probably the best struck ball I've ever seen him hit his entire time here, if I'm being honest <laughs> well, with you. Well, I'd, I'd argue it was the worst because he was aiming for the board and he completely fucking missed. He was, like, 10 feet away. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's why he's not getting assists. He can't even hit yeah. the board 10 feet away. <laughs> Yeah, that's the thing for me is, uh, you know, I mean, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, Luis just kind of has to read the room better, man. Like, you're getting really pulling in at this huckster bullshit, right? Gently poking dudes in their ribs and being like, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of silly to me. I mean. um, but I, 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 I think at the end of the day, like, 
if that's what Luis said, I mean, I, I, I do understand where it comes from, but I don't think he kind of communicated what he meant in the best possible way. You know, you kind of do have to read the room better and just kind of know that, you know, I don't think people are going to be taking this as a laughing moment in any sense of the imagination. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, he, he's got a tendency to kind of say some dumb perplexing shit, which is funny because I mean, he, he takes the sweet time talking all the time. You think he had enough time to, to actually think about what he's about to say. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sure he, I'm sure he was just kind of him trying to diffuse the situation by kind of just making a lighthearted joke. You know, they had just, they went across to, to the, you know, they apologized to the fan and all that stuff. And, um, you know, kind of was another moment of, of apologizing afterwards. Uh, maybe, maybe him reading room was, Oh, it's not that big of a deal. Cause you know, we apologize. He's okay. And you know, ha ha, let me go and make this stupid dad joke. Um, yeah, he, he, he just, he's got to, like I said, he's got to redo the room better. Um, he tends to make some oddball, uh, choices sometimes, but you know, like at, at the same time, you know, may, maybe part of that too is, is him kind of trying to take some heat off of, of, of Gaku. You know, he is the captain. I was, I like have joked about that, you know, but maybe there was something there. Maybe, uh, maybe he really was just trying to make it seem like it wasn't as big of a deal just maybe to kind of protect Gaku a little bit from, from, uh, um, you know, some of the, the abuse he was, he was getting on, on about what he did, which it was a piss poor way of doing it. If that's what his intention was, but it's, it's Robles. He's, he's, he says a lot of things sometimes. Maybe Luis doesn't just, isn't aware of these things. Cause like he's, he's not in line that much. Yeah. So it could be that too. Comments. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Moral of the story here is, uh, I guess you can be blissfully ignorant of you. I uh, just stay offline. So yeah, you know, <laughs> you don't have to tweet through it. You guys, what I'm trying to say. I don't know. Like, <laughs> uh, let's see. Yeah, uh, I mean, you, you have Robles who's extremely offline and then you have Gaku who is extremely online. Yeah. Too online. Uh, that's the, uh, the two genders right there, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> I guess that kind of does it for us here. So thanks again. Uh, thanks for everyone who sent in the question and interacted with us as usual. Uh, we actually, no, I think, uh, what is it? Like, um, there will be no episode next week because I'll be away. Where will I be? Well, that's for you to find out. And for me, that's for me to know and for you to find out. But yeah, <laughs> um, without further ado, uh, we'd like to, I mean, from bad for me or Fernando, we'd like to say thank you for listening and tuning in once again. And uh, have a happy 420 in New England for anyone making the uh, trip up. Because remember, it's legal in Massachusetts, ladies and gentlemen. So that being said, Mr. Fan TV saying make good decisions, smoke responsibly. Peace. Later.